Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 405. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rickshaw. Hey, Kevin. Hey, hi. How's it going? Uh, you know, pretty good. It's nice. spring. Flowers. I bought a ton of flowers oh, yesterday. Oh, nice. Solid. Yeah, you 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 know how that does, what that does to me. Yeah. We're uh, in the process of rebuilding. Well, my wife is in the process of rebuilding our garden right now. Because, you know, the hurricane just... We did all this landscaping. You know, planted all these beautiful flowers, bushes, trees, etc. And then a hurricane came through and just destroyed everything. So we're in the in the rebuilding phase right now, and uh, we're, we ha- we got like plants that are a lot more resilient to water. Okay, and it's it's coming along quite nicely. <laughs> I gotta say, that was that was bizarre when you showed me the pictures. How they look like the the hurricane like carefully scoop them because yeah, like the holes were there you know it was like <laughs> you could see the Just hole where the plant was i think it's because because we just planted them like very shortly before oh okay yeah yeah they, they just didn't, didn't have the roots like extensive did. roots right it just didn't have a chance to to grow out yet that's why it looked like that <laughs> it was kind of nuts love it love it yeah, so we're we're doing that too. Uh, we got all new sod. They redid all of the grass in our yard because we got a sprinkler system, and then also they redid all the grass because the weeds, man, the weeds took over our grass. Oh no! Yeah, it's just like ninety percent dollar weed. No. So they redid all our all of our grass. Anyway, this is not a gardening show. It could be. If you want. It could be. Maybe, maybe we'll do a, a spinoff. Let's start it up. Like Botany Pulse or something. <laughs> I'm for it. Now, this week okay. on the show, we'll be reviewing the action comedy Nobody, which is now out on VOD platforms. We'll also be going over some of what we're watching on the watch list and going over this week's new releases on VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That would be super helpful. Just one bit of housekeeping news. The new episode of Say by the 90s should be dropping this week. I'm in the middle of editing that. Uh, I can talk about what the theme is this month, and it's going to be SNL movies. <laughs> so we watched four SNL movies and discussed those, along with just the just SNL in the 90s in general. And how it was objectively the best decade for SNL. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. yeah, so stay tuned for that. I'll announce the exact day that that's going to drop on social media. So you can follow us on Film Pulse Net on Twitter or 90s Pod on Twitter. And we'll announce that. All right, let's go ahead and dive into our review. We're talking about Nobody. Now, this is a movie that it came out in theaters a few weeks ago, and I think that, I don't know if they planned for a quick turnaround to VOD, but I think it was smart for them to do, to do that. Yeah. This is directed by Ilya Nyshuler. I have a synopsis here. A bystander who intervenes to help a woman being harassed by a group of men becomes the target of a vengeful drug lord. I don't know if that's... I don't know if that's I mean technically that is accurate. I think but I think it works in the sense that you're 
you're trying to to divert attention away from what this movie is actually about. But see, the thing is, though, if you see the trailer, you know damn well that it's not oh, okay. like that. <laughs> like they they reveal in the trailer, as I'm about to reveal right now, that this guy has a past, and we know that he's not just a regular Joe schmo. We know mm-hmm. that he had some something something crazy in his past because in the trailer, I mean, you see him. You know, being a badass fighter and kicking a lot of gotcha. kicking a lot of ass. Gotcha. So I don't. I don't know. Uh, this is directed by the guy who did Hardcore Henry, by the way. Yes. And I, yeah. I, I know a lot of people had issues with Hardcore Henry, but I liked it. I, I think it was. I still think it was cool. Uh, Kevin, we'll start with you. What did you think of Nobody? Uh, this is also written by the guy that did John Wick. Correct. Yes, and I think so- that. I think that most immediately, the thing that people will talk about is is or compare this to is John Wick. I mean, this is very yeah. much. Uh, it's very much. John it's, Wick. it's in the same family. It it, it is definitely yeah. in the Wick family. And I, if they're not talking about some kind of crossover right now, they're a hundred percent missing out on probably millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. So I think those two things because I didn't. I don't think I really knew that going into this or like the lead up to watching this. And then I kind of stumbled across it, you know, the director and the writer, which made me far more optimistic than what I was originally going in. And I got to say, this was a pleasant surprise because I enjoyed the hell out of this movie. I don't want to bury the lead here. I loved this movie. I thought it was fucking incredible. Like, I just, I had an absolute blast. I watched it twice, actually. I watched it on Friday, and then I watched it again last night because my brother-in-law and his girlfriend came to visit, and neither of them saw it, and they were talking about it, and like, oh, we really wanted to see that. And I'm like, hey, uh, it's out on VOD. Because they didn't even know. They didn't know it was out on VOD yet. So that was, uh, it was, so ended up watching it again last night. And you know what? Like, normally, normally I never rewatch movies, especially that, in close proximity, like a day later, but I, I was excited to rewatch it. Like I, I was all about it because it's just, I just had a blast with it. It's, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. And I, I, I and not only is it, uh, you know, John wick esque and it's kind of like, you know, the story and the, you know, him being with the dark past and everything he's trying to get out and, he gets pulled back in with just the way in which there's you don't get all of the world but you get enough hints like they already set this up you know to have multiple films you know what i mean like this is already this is pre-packaged as like a franchise oh yeah and they give you just enough you know like you know the rules and how this world works that you know that there's going to be more they they tease them out enough that I'm intrigued mm-hmm. and I would like to know more about this world. But you know, it's it's fairly basic, which I didn't mind at all because the action is phenomenal. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like I was really concerned with the John Wick movies because John Wick one does the exact same thing that that nobody does, or vice versa. Nobody sort of follows that same formula where it gives you a little glimpse inside of this world and it sort of hints at things like 
systems and people and organizations that are in place like when he goes to the the barber for instance like that scene Mm -hmm. it's very similar to john wick where you're just like oh man there's a lot there's there's a lot of backstory here like they they really kind of thought about how this was all gonna be before they they set out to do it and they don't spell everything out for you there's not like tons of exposition there's just enough to to give you a little bit into the into the into this guy's past and i think that moving forward and yes this is clearly going to be a franchise like there's just absolutely no way that they're not going to be they're probably working on the sequel right now um i think that the thing that they need to be very careful about is with the sequel giving too much away and and opening up that world too much where you're just like overwhelmed with plot and lose sight of what's really important which is the crazy insane action and i don't think john wick is fell victim to that i think that they did things in a very smart way with john wick and i'm just kind of hoping that they do the same thing here and again you gotta have a crossover you could easily make this retrofit this into that world and it would still work you know like they didn't introduce anything in this movie that that you wouldn't be able to like explain by having both series set in the same world yeah they could totally do that i think that'd be incredible um yeah talking about the action uh incredible absolutely top notch uh bob odenkirk i think that was kind of the big surprise that everybody had with this is that you have bob odenkirk who is traditionally a comedic actor in a really action heavy role i mean he's like a bona fide action star at this point. And that was kind of the, the surprising thing and like just how well he was able to acclimate to that very like physical role and yeah. just completely excel at it. Like he kicked so much ass in this movie. It was incredible. And they did a lot of things. They did a lot of things right, at least in my book. Um, first of all, when we see that initial big fight on the bus which you see you do see that in the trailer you see some of that in the trailer uh it sets first of all it sets things off on the right tone like we understand how the fights are going to play out in this movie and i think that it's introducing that initial fight scene was really smart because a it was badass it was incredible fight scene and b um they it was like a warm-up for him like, it would have been weird if this guy goes for years and years without, you know, fighting or, or flexing his skills and then just all of a sudden is, like, you know, a badass. He, yeah. it's, the, the first fight's sloppy. You know, he gets, he gets his ass kicked in the first fight. And I, I liked that. I liked that it wasn't super clean because it would have been weird if it was, if it was. Yeah, yeah, he's not, he's not unstoppable either. You know, that fight scene is him kind of shaking off some rust, and it's also the I like how they set this up in the sense that like he's itching to get back, like this isn't him getting like pulled back in, and like he's this isn't him like going out for revenge and vengeance. I mean, it kind of starts off that way, and then he's like, oh, shit, I, I made a mistake. I, this this right. is not what I should be doing. And then he gets on the bus, and, you know, 
he gets this opportunity where he's just like, yes, this is what I want. And I like that he's, that his character's kind of fucked up in that way is that he just desperately wants to get back to destroying people physically. (laughs) And like, that's the, like the, the, the basic, uh, story of this movie is what you know it's simple it's just you know to set up some action sequences but i do like that you have that reading there if you want uh, that this is like very uh like american and that he can't help it like violence is a part of him and he just has to get back out there and destroy people yeah can't do it he can't he can't do it He's got to destroy people in every way possible. Well, one one thing that surprised me, and I, I didn't really look too much into this movie, uh, but the fact that, and I'm, I'm going to be careful not to give away too, too much, because I think that there are some kind of surprises in here, but the fact that Riza is in this and plays his brother, I had no mm-hmm. idea Riza was in this, and the fact that Christopher Lloyd plays his dad. Those were mm-hmm. those were two big surprises for me because I didn't I didn't even know that they were in this movie and they both were incredible and I loved every scene with the two of them. Yeah, it's just and, just, and obviously the way that it all culminates with uh, that. Oh huge, my god! I mean, <laughs> oh my god! You got traps. There's a lot of traps in here too, which is something I love. Any movie that involves traps is. Instant, instant, instant bonus points for yeah. me. I mean, this this movie is got it all. Brutal. They do some ridiculous stuff. It's got hand to hand combat. You got you got your your gunplay. Mm-hmm. You got your explosions. You have uh, a string of three headshots with one bullet. Oh. I mean, yeah. What what more do you want? Yeah, I think that. I don't know if, if action fans were hesitant because of Bob Odenkirk in the starring role and the fact that it does have a lot of comedy in it. It does have a lot of comedic aspects. So I don't know if they were like, if action fans were hesitant about it. Uh, but man, I can tell you right now, this is like top, this is yeah. top tier. This is top tier action. All of the set pieces are in- incredibly well choreographed very satisfying brutal i mean it's it's just again top tier top tier stuff love yeah. it it's one yeah it's one of those things where i'm like i shouldn't like it but i absolutely love it it's just uh it just exudes badassery i mean it's just it's yeah just, it's just so it's much just, fun like it, it has that that fucked up thing with the like if you if you read into it well with, yeah where know, he's like in a kid like no one likes him and his wife doesn't even want to look at him or touch him. But you know, now he's the, that masculinity is coming out. Right. Yeah. I thought you know, about oh that too. Boy, everything starts heating up. I thought Watch about that out. too. But the body pillars are being moved. I think, I think the one way you could look at it, not necessarily the fact that his like, we got his testosterone back. He's not some pussy anymore. Like, I think that another way that you can look at it is that he's more himself. Like, cause not only, yeah. cause not only does it's not just that he gave in to his like violent tendencies or whatever, but he had, he had more personality. Like he was more energetic. He was more, 
positive. He was interacting with his family more. He was showing them more affection and stuff. And it, it was just like, that was like the dopamine hit or not dopamine. Well, yeah, dopamine too, but it was like, it turned on the serotonin in his brain and it knocked him out of that, like depression that he was in. Yeah. And that's why, that's why I liked that, that reading. Cause like he's, he's America, you know, we can try and change and become progressive in a way, but there's still always going to be that built in, you know, like, fuck yeah, you just shot three dudes in the head with one bullet. That was fucking awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you can try and move yourself away from that, but you're going to get pulled back in most of the time. Yeah. Uh, something tells me that Elia uh, Nashuller was not really thinking about Hutch, Hutch being America in this, but. Derek Holstead might have been, though. That is true. That is true. Because, you know, to tie it with the military and everything. Yeah, yeah. You can try and rebrand yourself, but, man, your job is to fucking kill people. And that's what they do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Either way, uh, I had a blast with this. I think that I think <clears throat> that it was very evenly paced. Like, there, there was no, like... It's not wall-to-wall action, but there is a lot of action. I think a satisfying amount of action. It's just the right amount. I think that it strikes a nice balance between plot and action. I, I just want to say that I think this is wherein the the idea of casting like a comedian type works perfectly. Because the stuff in between the action, you have Bob Odenkirk. Which Bob Odenkirk just doing his day-to-day, you know, like failing to take out the trash or cooking eggs like that type of thing like he is good in mm-hmm. those situations yeah. so the stuff where you're not doing action is it works because of him yep yep completely completely agree with that it i think yeah bob i think bob odenkirk is an inherently likable guy in whatever role he's in even in like better call saul like we, we all know that that saul is a kind of a scummy lawyer guy, but he's also extremely likable. And I think that that's one thing that Bob yeah. Odenkirk does really it's well. Bob, it's Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. Like, that's, you just like that's, Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> yep, you do. You do. It's hard like, not it to like him. And I think that, yeah, I think that, that goes a long way in, in this movie. I'm just imagining if this role was played by anybody else, I just don't know if it would have worked quite as well. Yeah, because this is, like, as good as the John Wick movies are, and Keanu Reeves is, like, Keanu Reeves doesn't have, he doesn't have that ability where I'm like, you know, where he's just doing day-to-day things. Well, like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, Keanu, love it. And I think that that's where these two movies do differ, is that there is more of that kind of character arc in Nobody. Whereas in John Wick, the plot or narrative bits are so thick like there's almost nothing because the action is part of the the plot and the world building and the narrative in john wick so in a way those movies are structured a bit different whereas with nobody there is more of like a like a psychological element where he has his family that he's trying to take care of and protect and he is straddling the line between these two worlds where he's trying to live a normal life, but also 
constantly being pulled back into this world of violence. And with John Wick, it's not really, that's really not an issue. Like Wick is just straight up living in that violent world, yeah. you know, from the first, from the events of the first movie. So because here, here in this, I, like I could just watch Bob Odenkirk be the accountant <laughs> yeah, I know. for that little, that little factory. Like, <laughs> That little warehouse job that he's having. I, I, I can just do that because it's Bob Odenkirk. I, I think that the, they have, and, and the, great, the great thing is it, it, they do, again, set it up for a sequel. And I think that the options are so open for them in the sequel that they could take this a lot of different directions. And, you know, maybe, maybe it won't work, but I. I don't know. I think that uh, they have a winning formula here, and I can't imagine if, as long as they get the same writer, director, crew back for a sequel, I just don't see how it could not succeed. Yeah, and I think the main thing is like, just don't get too cute with it. Just keep it simple. Keep it simple, stupid. See exactly. This is also executive produced by Toby McGuire. Which I find interesting. Funny. I did not know that. <laughs> I mean, I just wanted to. I want to reiterate the Christopher Lloyd uh, presence in this. I feel like I haven't seen him in anything in a really, really long time, and so, so much so that I wasn't a hundred percent sure at first. It's just like that guy kind of looks like Christopher Lloyd, and then I made I made the connection that it was indeed. Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> and I got very, very excited. I mean, oh, yeah. I didn't know you like I didn't know about him. I didn't know Riza. Like I did really didn't know too much about this movie. I thought it was just more of like him because I, I didn't see the trailers. I just thought it was him like getting revenge on somebody or something like that. And then you have the way that it's set up with the the break in. And I was just like, okay, this is this is gonna be the thing, and he's gonna get, you know tied into something else like oh whatever but then what it turned out to be was i like more that, that a lot more yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. A, it's a lot it's a lot more than just your standard you know guy hits his breaking point and loses it and then seeks revenge you know it's it's there's a lot more going on to it than that like the the, the family aspect the familial aspect of it like you know when riz is first introduced it's over a radio like a uh, transmission like a ham radio or some shit and um so there's like questions there like what why is why is he in hiding what's going on there yeah i wasn't even sure because i didn't even know for sure that that was rizza because when he's introduced it's over a radio and like i was like that sounds like rizza because i didn't see his name pop up in the credits the first time i watched it and in the opening credits, that is. And um, same with Christopher Lloyd. I don't know what the hell I was doing during the opening credits. But <laughs> also, I thought when Christopher Lloyd was first on the, on screen, before before he started talking, I thought that it was Lance Hendrickson. Because <laughs> <laughs> Christopher Lloyd and Lance Hendrickson look very similar these days. That's true. But then as soon as he started talking, I'm like, oh, shit, it's Christopher Lloyd. And of course, like the fact that he plays a bigger role than... What you might expect yeah. was pretty awesome. I know that Bob Odenkirk did an AMA on Reddit the other day and revealed a lot of the stuff that happens. I would say don't don't go back and, and reread that until you see this. 
because I think there's a lot of fun surprises. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and give this a score. Nobody. I'm at like an eight and a half on this. Okay. This I'm is, yeah, I'm, I'm up there. I'm up there. Yeah, I'm like a, I go at eight. I'm going to go eight. As far as 2021 movies go, I think this might be my number one movie so far. Yeah, it's, it's close. I just had, I just had a ton of fun. Yeah. Uh, so highly recommend it. Rent nobody. It's on VOD. Let's move on and talk about someone we're watching. Kevin, I think it's your turn this week. Uh, I only watched one other thing, and that is Brian Bertino's "The Dark and the Wicked." Hmm. On the on the Shutter platform, there I find I figured out what I did wrong the last time. Did hmm. a dot com instead of the dot net? You would think uh, I would know. I do have I do have dot com, but using that that account is dot net. Yes. Yeah, that you can't do that for. Username, right, right, or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Dark and the Wicked. Uh, thought, what the hell? Give this a shot. My wife wanted to see this, um, and I was surprised. I was surprised. I actually enjoyed this a good bit. I really dislike the very, very end, like the the last, you know, split second jump scare type thing. The end of movie that felt like something that was like added, mm-hmm. you know, for commercial reasons. Like, oh, we have to put this on and just kind of undermine everything that we did before. So that that was a little bit of a downer, but it's literally, you know, one second at the end. So you can just kind of forget about it and just be like, you know what? That didn't really exist. So, it, you know, you got this great location, farm, secluded farm, goat farm. I mean, what's better than a goat farm out in the middle of nowhere? And two kids coming back, uh, Marin Ireland, and I forget who the guy is, Michael Abbott Jr., maybe? Brother and sister come back because their dad's dying, and something's just fucking going, it's going on here. Something weird. Mm-hmm. People, there's moms having nightmares and all sorts of stuff, talking to people that aren't there. You got your chopping carrots, Ooh. which, you know, you got your suicide club influence there. Because you know where it's going. Mm. That build up, that yeah. rhythmic chopping, you know that it's not going to end with carrots. Nope. So, but I, the one thing that I, that was really fucked up is where, like, where this movie went in terms of like when the priest shows up and how that all plays out. Yeah, dude. Was just that was, I did not see that coming. That is not something that I like I thought I had a read on the movie and knew what like what was going on here and I'm like okay this is fairly simple okay you know you have some sort of demon and he's just trying to steal a soul okay they have to fight off this demon but it's it it opens up and it's it's far more complex than that and it's it's not just this farmhouse you know like it reaches out into other towns and stuff in the way that it it's just Whew. That scene with Michael Abbott Jr. when he leaves and goes home. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, dude. I distinctly remember you talking about this movie and it being kind of fucked up. Yeah. Like, there's some fucked up things that happen and that's what put it on my radar that I was like, oh, I have to check that out sometime. And then I saw it on my wife's watch list and I was like, okay, here we go. Let's do it. 
And you're right. There's some uh, there's some fucked up stuff, especially like you said that Michael Abbott Jr. Yeah, because yeah, mm. poor boy. That yeah, poor nurse too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was. Mm. You just you see certain objects, right? As soon as an object is introduced in a movie, you just know like that's going in an eye. <laughs> that's getting stuck in going something. In that it, I'm not sure who's, but someone's. It's going right through there. And guess what? Like, you're never wrong. It always ends up in an eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so that's, uh, that's two recommendations. The Dark and the Wicked. Check it out on Shudder. Yes. It's available there. Do it. I saw Terminal from 2018. This is directed by Vaughn Stein. I don't know why I decided to watch this movie. I, I think because it's on Hulu and it is this, I was sort of in, in the mood for kind of a crime thriller. And this one is like, it builds itself as sort of a, a noir and it has Margot Robbie and Simon Pegg and Mike Myers in it. And I think that that's how I actually got the connection because I was, I watched Wayne's world for the for say by the 90s and i was like oh man i haven't seen mike myers in a while and i looked up his filmography and i saw that he was in this movie and that made me want to watch it so this movie is about i don't even you know it's it's hard to even describe what this movie's about it's so messy um basically margot (laughs) i just you know i really wish i could just spoil the shit out of this movie because it's so ridiculous the the like quote-unquote twist that happens at the end is so ridiculous but it's about a a margot robbie plays this sort of mysterious character she's someone who appears to be pulling a lot of different strings but at the same time you're not sure like how she's involved with everything that's going on and it sort of tells the story of these uh two two hitmen and then you have simon Pegg who plays a teacher who has a, an illness that that is a fatal illness, and you have um, Mike Myers who plays this kind of creepy janitor, this janitor who definitely has more going on than what than the what he's revealing, and it all takes place in in this like abandoned train terminal, and not abandoned but like kind of shut down train terminal, and. It is an absolute dumpster fire, like from beginning to end. Mm. It is so, so awful. So awful. It is ugly. It is horrifically ugly. They they try to like give it this noir look, but it ends up just feeling super cheap. Like the, just the lighting is so out of whack in it. Like, lots of neon and stuff and it just looks really bad and everything has this sort of Alice in Wonderland uh like vibe to it where they keep trying to like relate what's happening in the movie to Alice in Wonderland and it's just like feels so dumb and surface level and uh, the, again the twist that that occurs is uh, uh, laughably bad and it makes no sense and 
you're just like, why does that even, how is that even like, what's the point? Um, so yeah, anyway, I cannot recommend Terminal from 2018. If you do want to watch it, it is on Hulu, but oh, it is rough. Margot mm. Robbie's good in it though. Um, just, I'm so confused because like, I don't remember this as a thing. It came and went really oh. fast. Yeah, it came and went <laughs> super fast. <laughs> I guess I guess we know why now. Yeah, uh, I saw the banishing. This is on Shutter. This dropped on Thursday. I like that Shutter puts their new releases out on Thursdays because you know everybody everybody does Tuesday or Friday. You know Tuesday for the stuff that's been released previously and like the dumpster stuff, and then friday for the the bigger new releases and i like that shutter is like carving out their own space on thursdays mm. i appreciate that so this is directed by christopher smith um this is the guy who did triangle which i liked a lot very underrated and black death another one that i liked quite a bit also somewhat underrated and then severance which was a, uh, a horror comedy which i liked a lot too with danny dyer mm. So, you know, I had, uh, I didn't really have any expectations going into this one. Didn't know too much about it. I knew that Jessica Brown Finley starred in it, and that's really all I knew. It took place in the 30s. What you have here is your pretty, at least to me, pretty typical haunted house movie. Uh, not a lot new going on here. There are mm-hmm. some decent scares but for the most part this is ultimately uh very forgettable and uh i don't really have that much to say about it honestly like i was not very impressed by it oh, yeah it's it's a bit disappointing i like i, like, I had a I had a feeling with that movie because like i was intrigued because i like i like haunted house movies me too i love them and i will like if the quality is a little bit low i'll still enjoy them they're like a they're like comfort food for me, but it also looked like it had the the, the opportunity to just be really dull. Yeah, it looked like dull. It is. Um, you know, there's there's some interesting concepts and stuff thrown in here, and the quality is actually very good. It looks really good, uh, but it was to me a, a bit dull. So I I can't quite recommend it, unfortunately. But it is on Shutter if you do if you do have Shutter again. It's called The Banishing. Uh, let's see. I saw Riot on Forty Second Street from nineteen eighty seven. This is directed by Tim Kincaid, who, uh, depending on what you're into, you might know him as Joe Gage, uh, because he's a pretty prolific gay porn director. Okay. He's still still making them, by the way. All right. At least according to his IMDb, still still pushing him out. When he would d- direct regular movies, he would go under his real name, Tim Kincaid. Uh, this is a kind of an exploitation film. Uh, takes place on Forty Second Street, the Deuce, and it's just about uh, this ex-con gets out of gets out of prison, goes back to reopen his family nightclub, and this rival nightclub owner tries to come and get get him to leave, and then it, it escalates there and turns into a 
a violent confrontation. This is really bad. It's really poorly made, but it does have some of that great New York sleaze that uh, that I love so much. So it's almost worth watching for that. I did watch this on Midnight Pulp, which is, uh, I believe, a relatively new streaming service, and it is free on there, so you can just watch it for free on Midnight Pulp. Uh, the quality is not very good. It's only in 480p, and it looks like it was maybe ripped from a VHS, although I'm not sure. I guess if it's 480p, it was probably ripped from a DVD, but yeah, quality is not very good. I think that this could probably use some sort of remaster or at least a new transfer or something. Also in Midnight Pulp, I watched this movie called Vibrations from 1968. This is directed by Joseph Sarno. Now, I've never seen any Joe Sarno movies. He is a pretty prolific sexploitation director, and he's sort of someone who I think could largely be credited with the sexploitation boom of the 60s throughout the you know early 80s when hardcore pornography sort of made sexploitation movies irrelevant and i've never seen any of his movies before so i figured i'd start with like an early one uh which is about a a writer who moves into this uh apartment building in manhattan again there's some really great new york cinematography in this movie in fact all of the cinematography in this movie is pretty stunning for the type of movie that it is like i was kind of blown away by this in fact i know that joe sarno has been dubbed the the bergman of porn because his movies look so incredible but like you know content wise they're like kind of like cheap skin flicks Mm -hmm. um so what you have here is this movie about this woman who moves into this apartment she's a writer and her sister ends up moving in with her and her sister's like just she's just like super horny all the time and she's like weirdly hitting on her sister a lot too so there's this sort of incest angle to the to the movie uh but the the whole plot is basically their neighbor is just constantly using this uh very 60s looking vibrator thing and like just kind of rubbing it all over her body, like on her arms and on her boobs and stuff. And it like drives the sister cr- crazy. And uh, eventually like they end up having an orgy or something. Uh, it's other than the cinematography and like, so what will happen is there'll be like this really, I mean, I guess it was risque for the sixties, but for today's standards, it's, it's pretty boring. You have so you have this like kind of the sex scene, and then you have a scene where the sister is just sort of wandering the streets of New York, and like all of those scenes are really great. And then you go back to this really boring sex scene, and then you go, and it just sort of jumps back and forth until the movie's over. So it's hard to recommend it, but at the same time, it's like on a visual level, like it's it's pretty impressive. So I don't know, I don't know how to. I don't know what to say about it. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I'm going to watch any more Joe Sarno stuff after this because I feel like anything beyond this might just be not as good. So I don't know. You're going to stop there. The thing. The thing is, like, I, 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 I like all exploitation cinema, but I was never that into the sexploitation because I find it to be like 
pretty boring for the most mm-hmm. part. Like the 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 stories are always just so. I mean, you could say the same thing about action movies, you know, that have like next to no plot. It's just they use the plot to as a buffer between action scenes. But the thing is, like with with sexploitation, it's like if I'm watching a movie for entertainment purposes, like I'm not like these these like really dopey looking softcore sex scenes are just not interesting to me at all. <laughs> like, yeah, if I want to watch porn, I'll just watch porn, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm not going to see something like, but I'm sitting down to watch a movie. I'm trying to gain something out of it. Anyway, the only, the only other one that I'll mention is called death machine. This is, was released in 1994. It's directed by Steven Norrington. Uh, I don't know how I ended up wanting to watch this. I, I like, 90s movies i like 90s sci-fi movies especially ones that involve like cybernetics and like computers and stuff like that and what you have here is um oh you know what i i do remember how i got to this uh i watched blade for last month's say by the 90s and this is the same guy who directed blade gotcha he also directed a movie called The Last Minute, and I don't know if you saw that, but I remember liking that movie a whole lot back in the day. Last Minute. Yeah, it was like an, it was like an action movie, I think. Like a crime thriller. And I can't remember if you saw that with me or not, but... At any rate, Death Machine is... Uh, it takes place in this like big corporation, and... This giant office building that has like all these different vaults, and they're always they're working on like top secret projects. And Brad Dourif plays this like genius computer guy who, but he's like but he's like crazy. He's like he's very eccentric. Like his office is more like a lair, and he's got like all kinds of weird shit going on. And uh, he ends up building this robot monster that can basically just kill for him. And the movie feels like sort of a cross between RoboCop and Terminator with maybe a little bit of alien thrown in there for good measure. So you have Brad Dourif who goes nuts and has this giant robot monster going through the, this office complex, killing people. And uh, the CEO of the company, played by uh, Ellie, Ellie Puget, Puget uh, she has to stop it, stop it from killing her and everybody else. And she teams up with these like sort of uh, activist guys who wanted to go in and like destroy the, I don't know what, steal, steal information and release it to the public or something. It's, it's pretty bad. Uh, it's it's definitely a maybe a so bad it's good type of movie where uh, it's pretty goofy but there's some fun elements to it it does feel very very 90s and I really hated the cinematography it's got that awful like soft lighting where everything just looks so foggy and dumb I I really couldn't stand that. Everything's dark and all the lighting is very soft and it's just not very 
pleasing to the eye. And, and the it's clearly a very low budget movie because like every time they show the robot, you only see like parts of the robot. You never see the whole robot. And even when you do see the ro- the whole robot, it's just for like a split second. So uh, yeah, I don't know. Overall, I, I don't think I would recommend Death Machine. Still gonna watch it because <clears throat> it's that. Super- yeah, it, it's yeah. Like I said, it, it might be a so bad it's good type of movie. All right. Let's talk about some of what we got on VOD this week. On the 20th, we have Vanquish coming out. Looks like an action movie with Morgan Freeman and Ruby Rose. It's from the director of Double Take. So, there you go. Yeah, there you go. At Night Comes Wolves is coming out. This is a really cool poster, by the way. I don't know if you've seen the poster for this one. It looks like, uh, it kind of looks like a 60s or 70s like pulp novel cover to me. Like uh, like when I used to go oh, into okay. Treasure Tales yeah. paperback trade, yeah. <laughs> I'd find a lot of book covers like this. Oh, I love it. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not sure about this one. doesn't look great, but it has potential maybe. We have The Marijuana Conspiracy. This is a uh, t- true story of uh, back in the 70s, they did this like, quote-unquote scientific study on the effects of marijuana and women so they had uh, a bunch of women uh, get together and just smoke weed all day every day what yeah uh also on the 20th we have night of the sicario starring natasha henstridge i feel like i haven't seen that, that name in a while we have grace fury we have death ranch we got <laughs> Oh, no, 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 no. I gotta look that up. Death Ranch takes place in the 1970s. Uh, Three African-American siblings, Brandon, Angela, and Clarence, on the run from the police, they take refuge in an abandoned Tennessee ranch. But they discover that it is a... This ranch is the hideout of a cannibalistic Ku Klux Klan cult. What? This is directed by a guy named Charlie Steeds. That sounds fake. That sounds it's like an alias. I mean, you're making a oh man, making a movie called Death Ranch, and your last name is Steeds. Come on now. Uh, let's see. We have Stealing Chaplain. We got For the Sake of Vicious. Something about that name really bothers me. That title, For the Sake of Vicious. Like it just doesn't. I hear you. It's, it's, I hear you. It's not right. Uh, Interestingly, on the calendar, I have the marijuana conspiracy listed three times. So apparently, oh. I was like all about that <laughs> one. Actually, the the truth of the matter is, I probably forgot about it so many times that every time I got an email about it, I'm like, all right, I'll add that to the calendar. <laughs> Completely forgetting the previous time I added it. You just want to get the word out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the movie looks decent. To be clear, on the 23rd, we have we broke up. This is a comedy about a couple who breaks up, but they had already committed to going to this wedding, so they decide to go together anyway, and comedy mm-hmm. ensues. It actually looks pretty pretty decent. We got Bloodthirsty. Uh, this is one that I talked about a while back. Uh, I can't remember which festival it was that I saw this at last year, but it's, uh, it's not great. Mm-hmm. Got Trigger Point. This is an action movie starring Barry Pepper. Wow. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, that's about it for VOD. Be sure to check the calendar throughout the week as we will be updating it. Usually there's something popping up on Netflix or HBO or one of those. Oh, actually, I did forget a huge one. Mortal Kombat this is going to be on HBO Max. Oh, that's right. So stay tuned that. for that. We will definitely be reviewing that next week on the show. I, I realized that that is, I think, my number one most anticipated movie of the year <laughs> thus far. I'm just, yes. I'm just like so beyond excited for it. I don't even care... I don't even care if it's bad. Like, to me, the trailer was enough to let me know, like, hey, you know what? Even if the story's garbage, there's going to be some really good fight scenes in this, and that's, that's really all I care about. Yeah, that's all you want. And, and it looks like it's got all my, all my favorite characters, like Kung Lao's in there, and I'm just, I'm just oh, really man. excited. I did not know that Asano was playing Raiden. I haven't seen him in a movie in ages. Yeah, I feel like I haven't seen him in a while either. And uh, he used to be in like every single movie that we watched. Yeah, for like a period of time. Yeah, and I like that they got um, uh, what's his name to play Sub Zero uh, mm-hmm. from the raid and Night Comes for Us. Yeah, yeah I, this is gonna be. I think it's yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty. I'm very, very, very um, excited. Yes. On Blu-ray this week, uh, we don't have. A complete list, I don't think, because Blu-ray.com is currently down, so we're using BestBuy.com here. We got Chariots of Fire. We got Dave Chappelle's Block Party from 2005. That was good, man. I, I, I really liked that. It's a documentary. A Werewolf in England, not to be conf- confused with uh, American Werewolf in London. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have The Mortuary Collection. I would recommend this. This is on Shudder if you have Shudder, but this is uh, an anthology horror film, much like uh, Tales from the Crypt or like uh, Tales from the Hood, any one of those. I really liked it. It's a really cool throwback, and the segments are are all pretty solid. Crisis comes out. Interestingly, the director of this movie DM'd me on Twitter a couple days ago asking me if I wanted to review it. I didn't reply. Oh yeah, and yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't because I saw it. and was like, yeah. It was. It was like I just didn't. <laughs> I just like, didn't have the oh, time. I'm too busy adding the marijuana conspiracy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Once upon a time in Tombstone. This looks like some kind of. I don't even know what the fuck this is. I've got test pattern. Ooh, I want to see that. I've heard really good things. Uh, yeah, so have I, actually. Body Brokers. We got the Game Changers, Fueled by the Truth. Fueled by the Truth, because his veins are fucking bulging. He looks like so he much looks like, fuel. He looks like Swamp Thing coming out, coming out here. <laughs> fucking burst. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, let's see, we got Death Ranch is coming out on DVD. Got The Inheritance. I feel like I just reviewed a movie called The Inheritance like last year and here's another one um Annie Get Your Gun from 1950 Mutiny on the Bounty from 1935 Pororo Treasure Island Adventure oh Oh, yeah Pororo Interviewing Monsters and Bigfoot from 2019 wow 
Interviewing monsters and Bigfoot. That the, is perhaps the, the worst title. What the? I've heard. And no, you know what? You know what the worst title is? Is it's a movie that is coming out. It's coming out very soon. Um, I actually, I don't know if I wrote a review for it, but I did see it at a festival like a year or two ago. It used to be called The Vice Guide to Bigfoot, but now, mm-hmm. but now it's called. 15 things you didn't know about Bigfoot, number one will blow your mind. Wow. That is literally the title of the fucking movie. That's terrible. But Interviewing Monsters and Bigfoot stars Tom Green, so. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. There we go. 15 things you didn't know about Bigfoot, number one will blow your mind. What the fuck? (laughs) Something happened with this movie where, like, they had the, the, like, rights to use the vice logo and name and then mm-hmm. they must have lost it somehow like some some kind of something happened because they released a trailer and it was, it was it's the, the vice is nowhere to be found and i bet i bet they had to change the title and strip all the vice stuff away and they didn't know what to do so they just probably put that in as a placeholder and just never changed it incredible what do we got on Criterions this week? Oh, we got two. One that I know that you're super excited for. That's Memories of Murder. Oh, yeah. 2003. I mean, come on. That was how, that, how, You're going to cop that. That was our introduction. That was our introduction to Bong Joon-ho. Mm-hmm. Correct. Wait, was it? Was that the first one that we watched? Yeah. Definitely. What, what would be the... Was there, is there one I'm not thinking of? I don't know. It ha- it has to be that. Well, now I'm curious. I know he had one. I think he had one movie before Memories of Murder, but I don't. But I definitely didn't see that before. Yeah, that's Memories right. of Murder. Yeah. No, because I think Barking Dogs Never Bite kind of like you started seeing it after Memories of Murder. Yeah, I'm I'm like almost certain because I remember when yeah. we saw Memories of Murder, like that was just a total game changer for me. Like I was just so yeah. blown away. Buy it. it. I was there. I saw it. Yeah, it was a transformation. I think that that was one you got. You picked that one up. I think so. That was that was a Kevin discovery. Yeah, did it. <laughs> you were on. You were on the bong. You were in the bong hive way before it was cool. Yeah, way back in the day, two thousand three. Uh, yeah, fresh out of high school, just jumped straight on the <laughs> straight on the train. Uh, the other one is The Furies from 1950. That's getting a, a re-release. Barbara Stanwyck. Western. And that's your, that's your two criterions there. All right, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on iTunes. We'd appreciate that very much. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.